thank you everybody teaching our children today. It's a bunch of them and we are so grateful that you're doing this. We think we can teach a kid uh, the gospel in three years and we appreciate you bringing us your kids. We are loving the Wednesday night ministry if you have a fourth, fifth, sixth grader or if there's one on your block, bring them. It is, it's a blast. Monday nights, the youth are meeting at our student center. If you're in college, we have a college Bible study. It's really cool. Um, that goes on Wednesday nights at our student center right beside uh, the campus here. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you will bless this day, that you will fill us with your word and all that you want us to have. Holy Spirit, uh, we, we invite you just to, just to, to reign, to, to take over, and uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, First Peter, we've been in First Peter, I believe this is like week number five that we've been in, in uh, First Peter, and if you didn't know that, that means you haven't been here the last four weeks. We're happy that you're here, okay? I don't care who you are. You might not even be a Christian here today. We love you. You don't have to be like me for me to like you. In fact, if you're not like me, the odds are much better, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, 1 Peter is sort of at the end of the Bible. It's a really small book, and it was written by a guy named, oh, scholars, every one of you, uh, written by a guy named Peter. And uh, if you didn't know that, it's okay. Nobody expected you to be a Bible scholar. In fact, you may not even have a Bible. We're going to put all the scripture on the screen uh, so that it's easy to follow along. Uh, but we really want you to go home and, and fact check us on all this stuff, okay? So uh, if you don't have a Bible on your way out, there's a Bible. Please take one. Those are free. It is a joy for us when you take that. Uh, so don't think, oh, I don't want to burden them. I know this costs money. It is our pleasure for you to take one. It's our delight. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. The end of all things is near. Now, we believe that the entire New Testament was written before A.D. 70. It would have all been written uh, before then. We know that Peter was martyred. He was hung on a cross. Legend says upside down because he did not think he was worthy to die like his Savior, so he had them hang him upside down. That comes from, uh, that comes, that was actually written hundreds of years after the death of Peter. So is, is that true or not? We don't really know. But we do know that he was crucified for his belief. He was martyred as a Christian. And since this was written, you know, <laughs> like, about 50 years shy of 2,000 years ago, the end of all things is near. Really? He got it wrong then, didn't he? Because almost on any scale, 2,000 years is not near. <laughs> but the translation for this could actually say the end is drawing near. We live in a special gap in time from when God created the world until Christ will come and get his people. When the church is raptured up to go be with the Father, we live in an age called the age of the Gentiles or the church age. And the church age is drawing near. This was the beginning of the church age. And so that mark, it's getting close now. 
because God told us that there was going to be 70 groups of seven, 70 weeks of, uh, se- uh, 70 weeks of seven, and 69 of those are already passed, and there's one group of seven years left. We're waiting for that, and it draws near. But before that could happen, God had to raise up what you know, what we know as the church. And so he was saying, it's drawing near because here comes the church age. And you are in that church age where Gentile, non-Jewish people are given the priesthood. And so we are that. And we have, we have a job to do. Uh, we are not of this world. We are of a different world. We are just here on a camping trip. You see where I'm going with this? Anybody? We are temporary residents here because he said the end is drawing near. In other words, I'm coming back soon. I've got to, I've got to let this church age uh, mature and, and, and I've got to let some things be fulfilled so that I can come back. But meanwhile, you are an ambassador in a foreign land and you have a job while you are there to prepare for me to come because the end is drawing near. You have an enemy that doesn't want you to do that job. And there is an active pursuit for your soul, for your family, for your children, for your culture, for your city, for your nation. There is an active pursuit of someone trying to take that. But your job on this camping trip is not just to grill up some salmon and drink wine around the campfire. This is just a home while I've got a job here. I have moved to this land for a purpose. I have a purpose in life. I am a priest. And so I am here to tell people about the gospel. I'm not their savior. I can't make anyone accept Jesus. I can't make anyone believe what I believe. But I am here for a reason, for a purpose. This is my home. It's all a metaphor. Y'all get that right? I don't live on the stage. Okay. This is my, this is my home while I'm visiting for a purpose. So maybe this speaks to someone today because you've been looking at your tent like, I've got to get a new tent. If you can upgrade tents and still fulfill your purpose, knock yourself out. If you need a different horse to get there, again, a metaphor, knock yourself out. But the tent is not the goal, right? Don't let yourself be distracted by the riches of the world because the end draws near and it won't be here much longer. Don't start thinking that this is where you belong. Don't get distracted. Don't think, I can't can't stand to look at this tent anymore. I've been here so long, I'm going to go start looking for another tent. I'm going to go start looking for another place. I've got to do something else because I am just, look at how everyone else is living and I'm still in this Ozark Trail model. It's not the goal. It's not the point. It's not the purpose. Does it shelter you? Does it house you? This is a metaphor for whatever is on your mind today. 
Is it still working? Okay, sweet. Does it allow you to fulfill the purpose that you came here for? Nice. And it works. It's good. If you can upgrade, upgrade. Fine. But make sure that you can fulfill your purpose. Church, don't let your residency here be about the dwelling. Don't let it be about the comforts in the tent. It's the job. This is a tool. Your job is a tool. Your wallet is a tool. Your phone is a tool. Your, 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 your community, all these things, these are all a tool for the purpose that you have. Don't let them be the goal. It's just a tool for souls. This is not nearly as valuable as what is setting in your seat today. You get that? Possessions are not as valuable as what's setting in your seat today. Your soul is more valuable than this. And we can never as a church let this, this grand building, we can never let this become more valuable than what's setting in the seat next to you. And I've had all kinds of recommendations. Hey, the sound would be a lot better if we did carpet in here instead of, no, I don't want it to look. And maybe one day that'll all change. Maybe Dusty will just finally be like, look, you're fired. <laughs> I've, I've got to have something to keep sound from reverberating. No, not right now. There's a reason because this, is, this can't be the goal. This could all burn. We would still have church next Sunday. We have it in your house, so you better start cleaning. <laughs> Maybe you should upgrade your tent, right? <laughs> a little bigger. What do you mean your house? Houses all over the city. doesn't matter. It's just a tent. It's not the goal. You're the goal. Your neighbor's the goal. Your kids are the goal. Your parents are the goal. Souls. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be sober-minded, be alert, and sober-minded for prayer. Not distracted. Not distracted. You're on a mission. You're on a mission. You're an ambassador on a mission. Don't waste your life. I think that some of the most wasted lives are called a success. Do you agree? I think that some of the most wasted lives are called successful lives because they have the most possessions. You wait around. Those possessions will remain beyond that life. And then you wonder, hmm. James chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. Be patient. He's finishing something with you. We're in a gap. We don't know how long this gap is. I'll go into that more in a minute. We don't know how long the gap is. Once that gap is closed, <laughs> I can tell you pretty, pretty close. We don't know how long this gap is, but we're in this gap. Be patient. 
Some of you are just ready for... Anybody, anybody said that in the last three years? I'm ready for the Lord just to come back and take us. Anybody? I see hands going up everywhere. Be patient. He's not finished. He's got a plan. Until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your heart because the Lord's coming is near. He's just waiting, waiting for his harvest to mature. He's wait, some of you are like, if he's waiting on my husband to mature, we're going to be here a while. And I resent that. So when will the end come? Y'all want me to do this? Y'all want to predict the end of the world right now? Matthew 24, 36 through 44. I want to, I want to read this to you because you, you, you really need to know this. Because uh, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. But let's just pay attention to what the Lord says. Uh, Matthew 24, 36 through uh, 44. Uh, now concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Let me emphasize that for you. No one knows. So if you've got predictions for the end of the world, please stop. You're making us look bad. Okay. 2012 came and went. Neither the angels of heaven nor the sons. Neither the angels or the sun know. If it's above the angels' pay grade, you ain't got it, okay? <laughs> Except the Father alone, as the days of Noah were. Remember, uh, remember Noah, the guy that built the ark? So the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. Now, they were all partying, having a good time, and Noah looked like a fool. And then all of a sudden, everybody wanted to be on the guest list, right? Build your ark. That's your purpose. Get ready for the flood. You know what I'm saying? We're back in the metaphor mode here not about the tent. You have a job because something is coming. The end draws near. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. This is where it starts to get sad, isn't it? Because if you're in, in here and you are a believer, you have love in you. In fact, that's kind of the, the test. If you don't have love Christ has not, has not given you that exchange yet. He hasn't exchanged you for him yet. Because when he does, you, you have love and you begin to have compassion when you never did. But this is the sad part. Where were we? 40? Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding grain with a hand mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore be alert since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready because the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. My goal for Ranger is for Ranger to go to heaven. We know that there are people who would just never, never believe, but that doesn't stop our burden. And we don't want to be in a field where someone 
is left because we love that someone. No matter who, right? Because we've all been that guy. We've all done that. You, you've, you've wrecked homes. You've destroyed relationships. You've done all those things. We all have, and Jesus died for you, and we love you. It's not ours to pick and choose who we love. It's ours to say God has made each soul. God has made each soul precious. This is, a, like this, this is not in my notes, and I probably shouldn't say it because it's morbid. But if I bring up a well-trained, high-pedigree dog and a stray off the street, and I shoot the stray, are you like, whew, at least it wasn't the well-trained dog? Would you think that? Or would you be like, you sick? I am never coming back here. Right? Why? Because you know that there's some sort of intrinsic value in a life. How much more a person? So we don't care. We just know that you have an intrinsic value that your father made you, and it wasn't a mistake that he made you, and you have a soul, an eternal soul in you, and so we care. And we don't want to be in that field and there be a soul left behind, much less someone that we already know and love. So when Jesus calls us back, he says, there are many who just will not follow. But we want to minimize that. Why? Because we have love. And in that day, in that day, what is this going to matter? Can you picture it? I kind of imagine this where I would see the little bubbles popping up over your head like a cartoon. I don't see anyone picturing it, so I've prepared something for you. Can I get my help to come up? We want, we want to help you picture this because I think it's important. Yes, we, we passed this with OSHA earlier this week. It is, yep. Pastor Purvis rigged this up and said it's foolproof. I'm just going to take him at his word. All right, are y'all ready? How did he do this? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not worried at all. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes. Nora. Can you take me to heaven? <laughs> now, in that day, the trumpet blows. I'm going to go be with the Lord. What are you thinking in that moment? Look at my tent. Look how good my truck looks from here. I'm glad I just had it washed. Look at it. From here, I can see everybody's lawn, and mine is so much greener. Wow. Look at that. Are you going to care? And I don't think we'll do this, but I don't know. As I go to be with Jesus, I assume that my eyes will be on him, that I will be fixed on him, that the fruition of everything that I've ever wanted is going to come true. I wonder, I wonder if I'll look down for just a moment and go, that's family. 
Why are they not coming with me? I thought for sure. My own child. She practically raised me. I worked with them every day. I don't think I'll see my house from here. I don't think I'll see my yard. I don't think I'll see my car. I think when it really matters, I'll just look down and see all the souls. Now be focused on Jesus. I know we will. But we have a job to do, and this is what we're waiting for. I can't make people believe the weight of the world doesn't rest on my shoulders, but the weight of the Great Commission does rest on my shoulders. And there will be some that I feel responsible for. Can you bring me my stool back? I appreciate that. Now, if you've, ever, if you've ever studied World War II or heard the name Oscar Schindler, you know that as Schindler, as popularized in Schindler's List, was leaving his factory. It's a very R-rated movie, but not graphic in a perverted sense. It's just graphic because it was the Holocaust. Oscar Schindler was responsible for most Jews who are alive today. And you see this scene at the end of the movie, and uh, I'm, I'm certain it's romanticized a little bit, but he began to look around himself, and he had a watch, and he had things in his pocket, and he thought, I could have bought another person for this. I could have bought another person for this. And he didn't see all the people in front of him. In that moment, he saw all the things that he held on to that could have been a life. And it's okay. It's okay to have things. It's okay to have luxuries. I hope you have good tires on your car. I hope you're not going to break down. I hope that you are proud of your home. I'm not preaching against any of those things. I just don't want it to be a distraction. And when we were in India, the things that I saw, I mean, I've told you guys this before, I, it, was, it was my birthday while I was there, and I came home and made my w- wife return my presents. I was like, I cannot live in such luxury when our brothers and sisters are in such horrible conditions. But before I left, do you know what the pastor told me? He said he felt sorry for us because there were so many things here to distract us. Isn't that crazy? I disagreed. Now, what is your goal? <laughs> what does retirement look like? What is, your, what is your purpose? Don't store up treasures in this place. This is not where we're staying. 
I want to store up treasures in heaven. Let me ask you, let me ask you this way. And this is, not, this is not a shame game. Because you guys are doing this. You are kicking butt. You are filling this place. You are bringing people. You are getting closer to God. You're doing this. This is not a shame game. This is a reminder. If you received all the things that you're asking God for, and there's some things, <laughs> me too. If you received all of those, God, God just pulled a whole Aladdin genie routine on you tomorrow. You got them all. Would one more person go to heaven because of it? James 5, 1 through 9. Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Weird. Now, James, I'm in the New Testament still. James was actually Jesus' brother. And we know he's his half-brother, right? James was uh, the brother of Jesus. And as soon as uh, Jesus died, everybody kind of eyes on James. And he really kind of ran things for a while, but he was also one of the first killed. He was martyred very soon. Um, if you've ever heard about Peter being put in prison and all of a sudden pff, the jail just bust open and, and he gets to come out, even before that, James was already dead. So this book of James was outside of the Gospels, outside of the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. This was probably the first book in the New Testament written. And he says, come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. You rich people, weep and wail. They were being hunted. He, he literally was being hunted. He was hunted and murdered. But he warned against distractions. Your wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasure in the last day. Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who moved your field cries out and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of armies. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and, and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter you have condemned you have murdered the righteous who does not resist you now i don't read that because i think that you're doing any of those things i really don't and maybe you're like pastor you're being too optimistic about me no i i i don't think so i love you and i think that you're awesome these are all uh reminders for us but james in this day where where there's persecution so much so that it cost him his life and every other apostle Minus John, who was boiled and then thrown in prison. Uh, they were being hunted, and he's warning, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. This is just your tent. This is just temporary. This is just the beginning of the church age. All we got to do, it's drawing near, because as soon as the church age is done, we're there. Christ is going to come back. He's going to take his people with him. So, let me throw this out there. Maybe this is an encouragement to you because I really do want this to be inspiring and be encouraging. And, and here's the first thing. It, you are relieved of thinking that you're not a success because your tent's not as good as everyone else's. <laughs> I relieve you. 
That's not success. That's not success. When Mother Teresa was in Calcutta <laughs> taking care of, 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 of orphans and abandoned, even ministering to Hindu priests till the day they died who would never convert, she didn't have a great tent. I bet she does now. But she didn't store up her treasure here on earth. When Aussie Pasta walks from village to village taking kids to the orphanage because their parents can't feed them. Have y'all seen? Go to the coffee bar. Look at the pictures in the back. Have y'all seen the sandals? Have y'all seen the sandals with no hill in them because they've probably walked 100,000 miles? Those are his shoes. I've been to Ozzy Pastor's house. You would condemn it. His tent doesn't look great. But I bet his mansion will be nice. Don't be distracted. I want you to have things. I want you to be happy. I want you to do, uh, to, to do all those things. I want you to have vacations. I'm not preaching against any of those things. I am preaching against that being the goal and purpose. And I am telling you, do not let the world set for you a standard of what success is. Because the world says that your tent is a measure of your success. And the Bible tells us that our tent is a tool is a place for us to rest so that we can go out and be successful. This is a staging point. This is a launch to be successful. Not a measure of success. So, if you're going home to holes in the walls, bald tires, you're right in there with my heroes. We have heroes of the faith all over the world today that are going home to far worse conditions than any of us are going home to. And it's not because they're not successful. <laughs> they are killing it for the kingdom of God. Don't let it be a distraction. So the second thing is this. If you have a beef with God... Some of you are under 24. If you are angry with God, see, we used to throw down on the playground, and that meant I had a beef with you, okay? I know that doesn't make sense to y'all, and I don't know where it came from, but that's what that meant. If you are angry with God because there are some things that you feel like I need, and let's, let's face it. There are some things that we just kind of need. <laughs> like this is not, Lord, this is not necessarily uh, a luxury. If this car doesn't start one more morning, I'm going to lose my job <laughs> because I've been late every day. Like there are some things that are really pressing and I don't seem to have a way to get this. I continue to pray to the Lord. He's supposed to take care of me. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. But it's not working. And I sort of kind of at odds with God about it right now. Maybe this will help. And I wrote this down because I, I don't want to say it improperly. Is God saying no because you're asking for distractions? Let me put it another way. God refuses to be your stepping stone to destruction. 
Do you get that part? And as long as we don't have something, we've tied our value to it because, because culture has said your value is tied to this. And so we've tied our value to it. And when this goes down, our value goes down. When this goes up, our stock goes up. And so we've asked God, raise my stock. <laughs> raise my value. And he's waiting for you to understand what value is. He refuses to be your stepping stone to destruction. He refuses to be your stepping stone to distraction. He refuses to be your stepping stone to help you not minister to the people that he put in your life. He refuses to give you a new location when he's like, dude, you're doing great work. You're so close to the people that you love. You're so close. I'm not going to help you move and be unsuccessful in your mission. He knows. He's outside of time. He's outside of space. He's outside of matter. He knows. Man, if you can upgrade, upgrade. I'm for all of those things. But if you're asking the Lord for something and he seems to not be giving it, and you first check, Lord, am I sending him? Am I doing anything? Check your life, absolutely. But understand, there are some times that what we want for good, God says that is distraction. The Lord is coming back, okay? The Bible tells us, do not think that God is slow in keeping his promises because remember this, to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. He's outside of time. None of that bothers him. When he says it's drawing near, it's drawing near. He's starting this age. We're coming to the end of this age of the church and soon all this will end where the Lord is going to take us back when I don't know and the person sitting next to you doesn't know either. And if you're that person, the person in your seat doesn't know, okay? But do not be impatient. God has a mission for you. And measure your success in souls. Because one day when you are going to meet Jesus, the only thing that you will take with you are the souls that you encountered while you were a foreigner in a land. That's the only thing you will take with you. Maybe that's heavy, maybe you're uncomfortable, and you've got to deal with something for the Lord. My intention was not for this to be heavy or uncomfortable, but to inspire you that those things that are weighing you down are not things that need to weigh you down. Worship team, y'all go ahead and come up. Those things that you are worried about, you should not be worried about. Those things that make you feel like you're a failure may mean that you're just ahead of the game. Do not let yourself be distracted from what God has called us here to do because what he has called us here to do is the best work. And one day, just as, just as Noah had his VIP list filled up in moments, you, <laughs> you will be the one and you will see the success and that is what, if I were the enemy, if I were the enemy, and I hated Jesus because I wanted to be in his place, right? This is Satan. If I hated Jesus 
and I wanted to get to him, it'd be through his children. Now, if I hate you and I want to get to you, what do I do to you? Your children, right? So if I hated him, I would take away his children. And what's the easiest way to distract you? Which direction? It doesn't matter as long as you're not looking at the Father. You serve a good God who's in control. Now, I want to pray for you, and I want you just to look at me, and I want to, I want to, I want to look at you. We're going to do this, and I'm just going to make it as awkward as possible. Are you all ready for this? Jesus, I pray for your people. God, that you would put eternity in their minds. God, that you would relieve them of the stress that comes from what Satan is telling them is success. God, that we would detach our sense of worth and our sense of value from what the enemy says is our worth and our value. And Father, we would attach our value and our worth to you, Jesus. God, I pray for every soul in here that they would attach their value to you. Sons and daughters of the Most High King sent on mission from the Most High King as an ambassador from the Most Holy Kingdom to a people that God loves. God, you have issued us. You have issued us the most important mission on earth and help us to be successful. God, there are things that maneuver to distract us from it and God, I pray that they will be distasteful in our mouth that they will be distasteful in our lives that we will lose our taste for all of those things that distract you because we see them for what they are Father. help us pursue you help us to run to you God help us be in your presence and have joy and Father my prayer is that our joy that we are a people whose joy is not dictated by our surroundings and our circumstances but how good our God is. So we'll have joy in anything, Father, as long as you stay with us and you've never left us yet. So we have faith and we have joy in your promise and in who you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Okay. Uh, the worship team is going to play another song. I want you all to worship with us. Uh, if there is something that you've got going on in life that we can walk with you through, we would love to give you a call, text, email, whatever. And uh, please drop that in the basket. Uh, drop that connection card in. Let us know what we can do for you, what we can do with you. Uh, also, we're going to be here, okay? This is church. This is a building. This is church. You are the church. And so we want to speak with you when service is over. So, so come find one of us. Find a fellow uh, believer. There is no such thing as, as the professionals in the ministry, okay? The believers next to you can minister to you just as well as I can. So uh, find a believer. We would love, the worship team would love to speak with you. I would love to speak with you. So find us and let us know how we can walk with you. But please stand and worship with us.